it's me, Sarah Russell, host of the Women's Domain podcast. Welcome to episode seven. In this episode, I interview Joe Baker, CEO of the shipping platform Shipper HQ. I've never had the chance to properly meet Joe, but I've definitely admired her from afar, not in a creepy way, but definitely in a I like what you're saying kind of way. And I really wanted to have a conversation with her. So this is what this is. I thought we were just going to focus on whether the e-commerce industry is a boys club, which it turns out the answer is more nuanced than yes or no. But it ended up being so much more than that. Anyway, I'll stop rambling and I'll let you listen. Enjoy. Joe Baker from Shipper HQ for coming on the Women's Domain podcast. It's really lovely to have you on. I've been uh, wanting to invite you on for a very long time. No, I appreciate you having me. Uh, it's 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 nice to be on there. I think this might be my first female podcast oh, as well. So excellent. Thank That's, you. I'll take that. That's all good. Um, and I guess the reason why I did want to speak to you and and get your insights. Um, I mean, we'll touch on like your your career so far and and your experience, but um, I obviously, you know, you are quite active on LinkedIn. You share a lot of insights on there, and um, you mentioned something about a boys' club, <laughs> um, about this this world we live in, potentially this industry still being a boys' club. So I think really that's where I want to touch on today. Um, but before we get into that too much, could we? Would you be able just to give our listeners a bit of a background about who you are and your career path so far? Yeah, I can do that. Um, and, you know, like, you know, you could sit here all day on some of this. I've been around a while. I actually started programming when I was nine, ten, so back in the 80s, um, uh, show my age. Um, so I've got a computer science degree. Uh, I grew up, um, and obviously you're English, so uh, just for the benefit, I know a lot of English people probably listening to this, grew up on Canvey Island in Essex, uh, so um, come from there. And Joe, uh, sorry, I, my, I, my great-grandfather sorry? was Frederick Hester, who helped sort of build Canvey Island. Oh, really? That's fantastic. That's funny. Yeah, so like my whole family is like from... Well, they're originally East End people, so I have a really bad accent. And uh, um, anyway, I went into... Uh, uh, I'd become a developer um, and then I uh, I was actually working in Manchester was my first job um, and then I moved back down south and worked in military messaging then I worked in foreign exchange I worked for Thomson Reuters for 10 years um, so I had quite a diverse career I suppose like military and then financial um, then I had two kids um, husband was terrible stay-at-home dad um, uh, the worst he's an electrician kind of one of these kind of really bright guys, but you know, I just earned more money um, than him. And so we decided to do it that way. And uh, anyway, they were one and three. And I, uh, I think I had an argument with him, went to work and said, can you give me a year off? You know, as a, you know, like kind of like saying to your husband, kind of sod you, I'm going to go and ask for a year off. Let's see what they say. Anyway, work was like really kind of, you know, getting around the female thing at the time. They went, yeah, you can have a year off. I was like, no, oh. you weren't meant to say yes. Um, <laughs> so ended up, um, I ended up taking a year off. Um, well, I actually took nine months off, and then I rang my boss back and said, can you please invite me back? Um, but during that year, Magento came out like a month after I started. That was 2008. Um, and I, my husband was kind of selling online, and I built him a website. 
Um, so I built that website. I was not a website person. I was I was into foreign exchange. Um, didn't know PHP or I still don't. And um, anyway, I ended up building what was then Webshop Apps, and then subsequently built Shipper HQ. Uh, moved to US in 2013. And I now live in Austin, Texas. So I now run Shipper HQ, which is um, a checkout uh, shipping management solution. Um, so I always say that we are to ship in what PayPal is to payments. Yeah, so that's, that's it. it. <laughs> so short rundown. Like I feel like it's interesting for people to understand that that movement up, you know, like over the years. So that career is twenty five. Yeah, years and I think now. I think the two things that strike that stick out for me is the fact that you come from a very technical start, like computer science and uh, etc. Um, yeah. and then also your I think your general just outlook, you know, going to your employer as a woman and asking for a year off, because I think a lot of women listening to this would think that's just totally never going to happen, you know. So I think there's there's two things, really, because mm. um, when we've been doing the, with the women's domain campaign, so just touching on this technical versus commercial thing. And obviously, as you know, running Shipper HQ, you've obviously got a commercial mind and, and have that part of your role as well. But there seems to be a bit of a divide, almost like a segmentation between most men in technical roles and most women in commercial roles. Would you say that's a fair assessment or am I just not seeing it? I mean, uh, if I talk about my own company, most of the women are actually in technical roles. So um, I would say, yeah, I mean, I completely get what you're saying. I'd say in the outside environment, absolutely. But my CTO is female, my head of design is female like we we've got a good female uh contingent over on that technical side as well maybe i've just been super lucky um i, I don't know or, or whatever right like super whatever right um but no i understand what you're saying i do think women are more drawn like certainly marketing tends to be very female heavy um and i do think naturally like with me even when i worked at reuters they kept trying to push mm. me into management and i just didn't want to go there i was very happy to be a technical manager and I did not want to be a, you know, a manager that become de-skilled technically. And honestly, my view at the time was a very, I'd say, working class view, which was um, I had, rightly or wrongly, the view that if I remained technical, then I would always be able to find work because I had like this key skill that was technical. And for me, being a kind of what I call white collar manager, it was like, well, lots of people can do that. I think as I've got older, I've come to appreciate that management is a very difficult thing to do. Um, and, and maybe I was a bit naive there around that. But I wanted, I always felt like if I was a Java developer or C Sharp developer, that I would be able to find work. So I, I kind of, for me, yeah. But I do understand completely where you're coming from. And, you know, we don't really see too many companies that are shaped like yeah, our company. Yeah, it does feel like Shipper HQ so, might be yeah. one of the exceptions rather than the rule, you know? Um, and it's sort of under, mm, yeah, yeah, and under, understanding why that is, and you know, the women in your company who are in technical roles, how they got into that space. I mean, you know, how, I mean, you started the computer science qualification. I mean, was that something that you always knew you wanted to do, or you know, did someone approach you and say, "Hey, this is a really cool thing for you to do"? Because that access to sort of STEM courses, um, it, it, they're not they're not really sort of advertised to women you know based on research that we've looked into yeah no I mean honestly I I think I've lived a lot of my life in complete oblivion and that's both a good and a bad thing right but I you know got a computer nine ten years old and, you know brother got delivered a computer 
early 80s, right? Brother's kind of using it and I poke my nose in and, you know, before you know it, I'm sitting there programming. Um, so for me, like, a computer is a bit mm. hand-in-glove kind of situation. Like, it's just part of You've my DNA. That. You've got that inbuilt, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. And, you know, when I was younger, like, when I was sort of 14, 15, I didn't know, you know, we didn't have the internet. I didn't know what Silicon Valley was or any of that. Neighbor, my dad, actually, my dad's colleague at work would bring me around magazines, and that's how I learned more. So I'd get this, you know, kind of... God bless him in a way, right? Like the fact that he saw that in me because I, I didn't really see it, right? So like I was just reading one book, right? And this guy's now delivering me magazines, learnt more, went to school. But to me, it was all very natural and I didn't really question the fact that I was female. Um, I didn't notice it. I mean, when I did my A-levels, I noticed I was the only girl in the computer science class. And when I did my degree, I was the only woman doing computer science. But... Honestly, even then, I didn't really look up too much because, you know, I was too busy getting drunk with everyone and everything else. So, and I didn't actually really hang out with computer science people. I hanged out with arty people. So I didn't really notice it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would say, I was actually talking to my colleague about this today, my CTO, and she was saying the same thing about her. She was brought up in a in a household with a dad and a brother where she was just treated like them two. Like, they all treated the same. So she didn't notice it either because it was a very male environment. And I would say I feel like I kind of had that a bit as well. I just didn't, was oblivious to the fact that I was female in that work regard. Yeah, totally. That sense. So, I mean, you you yeah. then, you know, so you, you've got Shipper HQ and um, you're now in this sort of the e-commerce industry, as it were. Um and when I sort of read your LinkedIn post, which I uh, encourage everyone to do, because um, I, I think you, you're, you write really well and you just, the, the insights you share are always spot on. But it seems to me that you've got a real passion and a real Thank love you. for the industry that we're in. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like probably like yourself, right? There's days you get <laughs> up and you're like, what am I doing? I, like, you know, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I'm inherently driven by technology and I like new and I like, you know, the refresh, right? And like, that's why I go into technology in the first place. Like, I love, I, I'm not, I'm very good with change, right? The only concept is change. And I, I like change. I love it. I think it's fantastic. And that that's what excites me. So technology really, you know, drives me. And, you know, there's always something new coming along that you can kind of get behind. I think as I've got older, I've, learned to realize like my role as a woman in tech that I didn't realize when I was younger I wouldn't say I even realized it 10 years ago and that's one of the reasons why I speak up now on LinkedIn because I think it's important for there to be uh, varying voices out there you can't just listen to the same kind of voice um, and I think you need voices that come from all areas of society and that's honestly like you know, if you go back to right to the start to my introduction, one of the reasons why I tell you I'm from Canvey Island, which is not often something I will say, right? But I think it's important to understand because people then build a picture of what is that person's background and where are they from. And what's important to me is that, you know, my hope is that I think what was missing from for me was mentorship as I was going through this journey. And I wish I'd have met more people like me and I feel an obligation to sometimes speak up to let people know one it's okay and two none of us has got all the answers 
you know i think that's super important i don't think we get enough of that messaging we don't get enough of that normalization of a person that's in a position of seniority yeah, absolutely and this that is i mean that's basically the fundamental reason why i launched the women's domain because i knew that um i wanted to address the representation of women in our industry i knew that i felt there was a lack of representation particularly in leadership roles um, and in general, um, how we create the environments in which we work and how um, attractive they are to people who aren't male or white, essentially, um, I knew that I didn't have the mm. answers. So it wasn't about spouting my opinions and what I think we should do. It's about going out and yeah. asking women like yourself who have real lived experience what, what, what you find and what you yeah. think. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you know, it's not just male white, right? And I know you know that, right? And you had Megan on recently, right? Um, you know, fantastic, you know, representation of, of that sector. Um, but also, it, it's about anybody with, and this is one of the things like when we talk about, you know, if you move on to talking about a boys club, right? Um, and, I, I, you know, sometimes I, I don't always try and be right with my statements on LinkedIn. In fact, far from it. I think I've got a heavy maths background and um one of the things that i think i'm really good at is trying to prove theories wrong so sometimes i'll throw out something on linkedin not to be right but in order to make people think and also to challenge perception um, and if you think about a boys club and you think about what are these segments well there's we've all got issues that stop us from some form of you know ideal success right the utopian person doesn't exist right you know, and we've all got things that we struggle with, whether that's our weight, our age, you know, we might not be a good runner, right? <laughs> we might, um, you know, have um, neurodiversity issues and everything. And I think, like, it's important that like, you can take the women's thing and you can put that into any of these groups. And the thing about it is, even if you haven't got that problem right now, you could be going, well, actually, I'm perfect. I'm a 30-year-old, you know, white male, and this is where I am. Well, you've kind of got a problem anyway, because there's, there's a bit of a rebellion against that kind of person, like in the bro thing, but also at some point you're going to be old. So you're going to have that problem when you get forward anyway, even if you haven't got it today. And I think that's why it's important for everybody to take it seriously. I do think that the problem with women's um, movement, shall we say, and one of the problems that I've really struggled with with it is that I want to be taken on my own merit. Right. And I think it comes like, if you look at people like Serena Williams or Taylor Swift or, really successful women, much more successful than me. But if you look at that and they go, that's a great female tennis player. Well, yeah. actually, that's a great tennis player. And I think that sometimes when you associate yourself to these things, you can get that. And it can be seen as a bit of a, what I call a bra-waving movement, right? And for a long time in my career, I completely rejected that because I would say, and I tell you this even today, you go and put me on the running track and you can go and put anyone next to me a 19 year old guy or you know a super athlete or anything right and then and uh, I have actually have some friends that are kind of pretty fit and I when I get drunk I'll be like I'll challenge you to any challenge right and there's no way I'm gonna win right there's no way I'm gonna win but you know what I want to go and stand in that line I don't want him to go do you know rather than doing 100 meters I'm gonna go and put you 30 meters ahead because I know you're older female this that and the other and I'd go, no, put me next to you. Let me run next to you. And I know I'd lose, right? But I still want to make that race. Yeah, it Does makes that make sense. sense. 
I think so. I've always been really firmly against things like positive discrimination or trying to get a leg up because you're female, right? I've always been really against that because I think that the problem with that is that you, and I think this is contentious, right? And like, hear me out on it, right? Because <laughs> uh, you probably disagree with me and you're probably right to. Um, the, the problem the problem with positive discrimination is is how does anyone know that I'm a good engineer? Right? How do I get taken seriously when I walk in the room? Right? Because I may have been hired because of positive discrimination. Um so no person in my company has been hired um because of any form of discrimination. They've been hired because they're the right person for the job. Yeah. Yeah? Does that yeah, it makes sense to you. But I will say this, that, and this is the boys' club, is that what I've come to what I've come to see is that if you think about that hundred meter race, the reality is there are many, many hurdles in the way that are nothing to do with my ability to run, or my in my in this case, my ability to be a software engineer or my ability to be a CEO. The fact is, is that. I'm excluded from a lot of conversations and a lot of opportunities and women in general are excluded merely because of their gender, merely because of, and like I'm now, I now feel that actually there is a case for some form of positive discrimination. I just think you've got to be really careful about where you apply that to. And I think that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at with this boys club is that, you know, it's, um, it's a difficult environment, you know, for us to be working in. And the reality is, with all these hurdles in the way, we actually do need some assistance from around us in order to get us back to a level playing field because yeah. we're not. And I and I do that. agree with that. And I think any any individual leading their career would want to succeed, or who takes their career seriously anyway, would want to succeed based on their own merit. I guess what I would come back at yeah I think we kind of do agree on this is that that you have to have an awareness of which, of the society in which we live in which um where where there is discrimination based on gender your beliefs um you know your ethnicity etc so when you are looking at that and understanding that understanding that actually if you want to strive for real equality you, there has to be an awareness and appreciation that people are different and need different things. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's different things that play into it. I mean, in England, there is a, you know, there's a, yes. did you go to private school? Right? Or, or, or comprehensive, right? What is your accent? Right? Like, you know, when I worked in London, there was definitely, you know, like um, the, the social circles that you mixed within, your yeah. peer group, I mean, et cetera, et cetera. Just class um, issues, isn't it? So. Oh yeah, completely. And, and not just a, I think not just a class issue. I think there's also just a general stigma issue around um, whether or not your face fits right into certain groups. And I think you see that elsewhere as well. I mean, my ideal kind of, you know, utopian world that I have is, and I, this is what I try and create for the people that work with me is, um, you know, you want to, you want to go in a room, be treated for what yes. you are as a person, right? Um, and not for how you look or appear or um, not for, you know, your background or any other attribute around you, your gender, your age or anything. And I test this often, very often test it. And I'm in the lucky position I can test it. But with the with the people that I work with, what I try to do 
and I would encourage all leaders to do this, is I try and remove any hurdles that can be in their way, right, as much as I possibly can. And I try to give them that playing field so that they can then run like, you know, if you go back to the track, right, that they can then run alongside the men and then we'll see where they are, right? And I often find that when I do that, that the women excel. They really excel because, and actually, I would say there's a real advantage to employing women because they often really underestimate themselves. And you often have to work with them quite a bit on just them having more confidence in, in their ability. Um, and once you get that kind of thing nailed, um, you find that they just run, run and run. Um, because women, the reality is, we are having to work three, four, five, ten times harder um, in our position in order to be the same. Um, but there's, there's great attributes in, in, mm. in female people and I look really closely at female resumes as a result. And I also look at resumes of people that I, I think could have been disadvantaged yeah. through no fault of their own. I wouldn't call that positive discrimination, though. And when people come into my place, I mean, I think there's no real place to hide. Like, you've got to be able to stand in your own two feet. And, you know, I don't have a whole ton of time for a lot of noise right like it's like we're working we're doing it you're either here or you're real let's get on with it right and I think to me that's clear and I think that's where the balance needs to come in sometimes because you know like we've still got a job to do and we've still got a company to build and we've still got customers to serve and we need to get that done as well you know so that's where that balance is Absolutely. required in my mind so we talk about to those hurdles that you know you when you you almost look at it on an individual basis what kind of hurdles would you say as in general like have you have you taken off have you removed in order for to see people thrive yeah I think sometimes just flexibility around working hours as simple as that right like you know you know sometimes like and sometimes that's with guys as well right but just understanding you know that somebody's got to do a school run right you know, um, or, you know, or maybe they work better for a couple of hours in the evening. And then understanding work-life balance, like we've got really strict work-life balance and we do that right across the board. And having that as a policy, I think has helped really well because like we're doing that with the men as well, right? We're going, you need to log off, right? Don't want to see you after six o'clock. You know, if you want to do something on your own, that's up to you, but I don't want to see you on Slack. And that creates a bit of level playing field for them when the people that have got families, where they don't feel that pressure you know, where some people are working a lot and then other people aren't, you know, we're all in together. Yeah. We're all in this together. But I think I think there's other things as well that um, just in terms of supporting women and just talking to them um, and just trying to, um, you know, like even myself, like, you know, sometimes, you know, it's like men are from Mars, women are from Venus, right? Act as a bit of a translator sometimes between the groups, right? And... Um, and and also just trying to get people to reframe, whether that's a male reframing or a female reframing. And I don't always get it right. I mean, I'm terribly blunt and everything, right? So I'm not pretending to be an expert on this, but I think it's about kind of being able to look at things from different angles. And I think you can remove hurdles in that way as well. Like somebody can be like super chatty, super on the phone and stuff like that, but then they're working with a real introvert guy and they don't work like that. Well, you're not going to change the guy and you're probably not going to change the chatty female. 
but you can find a way for these two to converse in a way that yeah. suits both of them not always you know, but you know what i'm saying right like and it's about it's about stuff like that where you you're trying to get people to work together um and i think i think that's a good thing and i think the other thing that i really try and do is try and encourage people to get outside mentors outside of the business especially when like there isn't um people that can support me inside the business so for instance my cto i've known for like 20 years she just you know like i encourage her and she does it on her own back now but you know she does a lot of outside reading a lot of listening to podcasts and she shares stuff that we talk about and things like that because not all mentorship is going to come from inside mm. especially when you're female yeah i found i found the mentorship so, thing quite um quite challenging because i mean we have a we have a mentoring scheme at 58 which is works really well for for people within the business um and i get asked a lot particularly after launching the women's domain and the the, lots, the more networking etc i'm doing is have i got a mentor and it's it's one of those things and i sort of joke that i'm kind of on this mentoring tinder trying to swipe to see who 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 i who i feel could help me but i think there's an there's a understanding yeah. really what you want to get out of a mentor and also being brave to ask, I think. And I know that sounds a bit daft, but there is this kind of barrier, I think, where it's like, why does someone want to mentor me, you know? Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think when I was younger, I, I definitely feel like I grew up without a mentor, right? Like I, I kind of, you know, just didn't have one. And then when I think back on it, I, and I think this is the conclusion I come to, I have lots of mentors and they don't all know that they're mentors but I pick different things out of different people and, and I, I draw from that. Right. And, and then I think that's all about that kind of round circle of paying it back mm. and paying it forward. Um, you know, uh, and like, I think that like, I, I, you know, some people approach me and they say, can you mentor me? And I'm kind of like, well, you know, I've got two boys that I have to look after and a, a husband that's, you know, equally needs looking after. And then, um, and then, um, you know, I've also got a company, right? So I don't really have a whole time for individual mentorship, but you can do it on different levels. And I, I would say that not all mentorship needs to be a no. one-to-one every month. I think that, and, and I, I draw, and I, I'm really super lucky. And I will say this, I have I have a lot of men, um, mostly men, actually. Um, and I do have some women, but mostly men senior men that I can I know that I can just DM them on Twitter or I can LinkedIn them or I can ring them up and they would just give me advice and it's rare that I will ring them very rare but just the reassurance of knowing those people on my phone is often enough and then we'll bump into each other and stuff like that and cross paths now and again and we'll go are you all right yeah are you all right yeah and that kind of thing to me is I think sometimes people try and tick the box of mentorship yeah. as opposed to going how do I get that from lots of different places because to try and find one person to fit you I mean you're trying to find your yeah. doppelganger in a way but that's that's moved on and I just think that's a really hard thing to do yeah, yeah absolutely that makes sense. sense I think you're right it doesn't always have to be this um structured um practice as it were you know that one-to-one kind of thing I think it's I think there's an element of curiosity and going out and finding stuff for yourself and and seeking out people like on LinkedIn. I have to say, like, since I joined what I found and I've been on LinkedIn for for years, but it wasn't until I joined the e-commerce industry like a couple of years ago where so many people 
like yourself and senior leaders or, or not senior leaders, just people within the industry um, or tech industry are really, you know, they, they share a lot of insight on LinkedIn and you could just follow. You don't even have yeah. to engage necessarily. You just need to read and take it in and think for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I think what's, there's a couple of things that are important that it's like you are the average of the five people you most hang out with, right? So, you know, and unfortunately, sometimes that means you've got to change the circle that you hang out with, especially if you really want to seek growth, that's important. Um, but I think you need people that are your real linchpins in your life. Like I'm still, you know, my, you know, BFF as it were, I don't, I don't know if she'd call me that, she'd call me a real pain, but and vice versa. But, you know, I've known her since I was 19. But she's, you know, a completely different career path, right? Buys and sells houses. and She's crazy, right? But whenever we're together, we are challenging each other, right? She's a very intelligent person, business owner, this, that, and the other. And I think so, you know, but then there's been other people that have been in my life where they've come and they've gone, right? And like just moved on, right, from each other. And I think the same goes with LinkedIn. And like, so for instance, for me this year, I've really been trying to wrap my head around sales, right? Like big time rather than kind of, you know, I've kind of relied on some people to fill some of those gaps for me. And now I'm like, no, I really want to understand this. So I kind of change where my viewpoint is on LinkedIn. And I also do that on Twitter every year. So I will go and remove a lot of people that I follow and then I'll go and follow a lot of new people. Um, and I try and do that even with things, simple things like music. You know, I'll try and like every year I'll go, all right, clearing down the Spotify, let's go and create a new playlist and let's start listening to something completely different. And I think it's really important to do that if you want to um, continue to grow, is to continue to be prepared to change what your and perspective you said, is. Yeah, so but I'd you highly said encourage that, that you love change. That ch- like change to you is almost more comfortable than not changing. That's true. And like it is different for, for, for everybody. I would say like for me being a CEO, like I'm bouncing around a lot of different things. So I have to, you know, like change the lens I'm looking at now, or whether that's marketing or sales or HR or whatever. Right. So you, you end up having this really varied, you know, skill set, which, which I don't know if that suits me, but that's certainly what I'm doing at the moment. But, you know, other people, I think if you're trying to, double down like let's say you're trying to double down on being I don't know the best partner marketing manager ever I think that there's degrees of you 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 need to realize that you're going to hit a point where you're going to stop growing with what you're looking at and then you need to be prepared to make that jump to start looking at more difficult material different material because it's very easy to get comfortable now if you're a person that you're going and I've got many friends like this you know, I just want to get to this position and I want to stop and I'm comfortable here. And I actually have tons of male friends from Reuters like this. And great, like, wish you the best, right? Like that, to me, is actually a perfect place to be. Unfortunately, I'm the person where I climb a mountain and I just want to climb the next one. Like, you know, like, I'm just that person, right? So for people like me, then it's really important that we just keep, making sure that we can keep driving and also keep getting that increased material in order to break through these ceilings. And that's something I had to teach myself. Like, I don't think I had, I had to figure that out. And that's why I kind of share it because for a while I kind of sat in that comfort zone of, of kind of, all right, I'm good here and everything else. And it's like, no, you got to, if you think about climbing mountains, you got to get back out of the tent, back into the cold and go and climb the next difficult mountain. And that's a hard thing to keep doing, but that's how you build 
that's how you build companies and that's how you break you know you break mm. through ceilings and i think it's worth saying this right like i'm a i don't know if i'm a humble person right but i think i am i i and i try and normalize what it's like to be a ceo but i don't see other people around here like me i mean we we have i, I believe the largest bootstrapped company in e-commerce um and I don't know any other woman CEO like me. And in fact, I'd struggle to tell you any other male CEO like me of a bootstrap company of this size. So like, I don't think that we, when you get to that, that point, we're not acknowledging it, but we're as women, we're just, we're so normalizing it. It almost becomes small. And a lot of people will say to me, well, Shipper HQ is quite a small company. And when I tell them the revenue, they're just yeah. blown away by it you know in all the number of customers and stuff like that and i think like we need to kind of you know it's hard to keep breaking the, the ceilings there when you've got nobody that you can really go and see as the person that you yeah, want to no, it totally to, makes sense. sense i mean it kind of i mean yeah. it kind of leads back to this idea of um i mean we're saying e-commerce but you could put it to any industry but we're obviously focusing on e-commerce that e-commerce still has this element of that boys club mentality. Um, you know, the, mm. the photos on LinkedIn of the, the you know, partner days and it's a, all, all blokes at a golf course kind of thing. Or you, oh, yeah. you still have yeah, it's crazy. You know, all male crazy. panels and, you know, I'm sat there sort of screaming, mm. you don't have to do this. You know, it's really easy. There are, there are women you can invite or people that don't look like the people you've got on that stage. Um, but it's it's trying to break through that mentality of uh, of getting people to change, I guess. And I was just Sorry, going to ask on. you. So you know, there's obviously things that you, as a, as a leader, a CEO in in, um, in e-commerce, but also as a woman, that you, you know, you're removing hurdles, you're doing things, you're thinking about stuff, you're saying stuff. You are, you know, you you said before you're blunt, and um, that's great. Um, well, it is. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, well. there's a bit of uh, genuine authenticity <laughs> rather than just I'm not very good. I'm not very good when Handle. I don't know what people are thinking. You know, like um, I'm, I yeah, I, I agree. I, I like that. I need yeah, we need feedback. I need feedback. Need feedback. And feedback. Don't hold stuff back yeah. because I'm like a dog with a bone. And if I feel like you're holding anything back, I just I annoy yeah. you and I get in your face and I try and like get to the bottom of it. So I'm I'm a bit relentless like that, but. Yeah, success is a series of failures, right? And unless you're getting the feedback, you don't really know. So, you, like, the trouble is, and that's where radical candor comes in, right? If you ever read that book, it's fantastic, and it, it talks about this. And and one of the one of the classic examples it gives, and I think it's fantastic, is you know somebody's crossing the road with their dog, right? So you have someone trying to cross the road, and the dog's just going crazy, right? And um, this this person comes up alongside them. And they they basically make the dog sit down, right? Um, and there's all this traffic and everything else. And then the person with the dog, they get to the middle and the person with the dog, like, kind of, you know, well, why did you do that? You know, and they say, you know, like, you can have a happy dog, but you're also going to have yeah. a dog that's run over. So at some point, you've got to get some control over what's going on here and feedback to this dog that maybe it's not a good idea to jump out in front of the car. Right. And like, and I, I, I'm a proponent of that. And I think that doesn't mean that you're trying to be cruel. It doesn't mean anything. It just means that you've got into a feedback loop where you can then improve. And that's really important to go through to, to, to really grow 
and to grow outside yeah. of what a blueprint is you kind of need that and i think women need to be more accepting of that and go and ask their bosses for i that think feedback. that's 100 i mean it, it's it's more nuanced than this but it's that tough love mentality which is i'm not saying this to be cruel i'm not saying this to be critical for no reason but it's like you know you're coming to me that you've got these challenges or whatever um and have you thought about doing it this way? And just, you know, if you can, if you continuously do the same things all the time and you're not happy with how your life is, your life's never going to change, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's also about like, like just now, literally just before I got in this course, talking to one of the, one of the guys at work and I was feeling back to him that, you know, um, how great he's doing. And I think it's about that balance. You need the, you need these kind of ups and downs. And then it's like, look, you're doing a really great job and this is the next milestone for you. So I don't think that, that feedback necessarily needs to be negative. And it's definitely something I have to work on because I think, like, I'm a glass half full person, but I do sometimes just, you know, go to what the failure is because I'm just climbing so fast, right? So, you know, like learning to iterate and that feedback and make that positive experience. But, you know, sometimes you do need to deliver you know that message of because people don't realize and what are you going to do like it's it's like you know like you you need to come sometimes you know say to somebody look there's an issue in like we need to address it right like you're too verbose or you're too this or you're too that and maybe we can work on that next month can you just get a little bit more mm. succinct on slack that would be fantastic well all of a sudden they yeah. stop annoying everybody like you know that little piece of feedback if you don't give it what eventually happens is you as boss or somebody else or somebody leaves right like like somebody they either go you decide that as a boss or somebody else on a team leaves you know because you haven't got that feedback loop going so to me it's incredibly important i think it's especially important for women right because um women in general require a lot of you know reinforcement and a lot of um they don't have, they don't have confidence in their overall ability and i i'm the same right i'm i'm like this as well like we we need some form of feedback you know like to 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 retain that confidence in our own ability because you can be yeah. damn sure men of course i mean it. it goes back to imposter syndrome so, isn't it imposter syndrome keeps coming up a lot in this campaign yeah and i think i, I will say on that imposter syndrome I, i've done another podcast at, Shopify a little while a couple of years back and I said I don't have imposter syndrome at the time and then afterwards I thought like I've come to conclude that I think we've all got it right to a certain degree but I've definitely um, learned to block out negative noise in my head um, I've learned that and I wish I'd have learned it 20 years ago um, I, I've learned to realize that I can only be what I can be and that's not going to be that's not going to be to everybody's taste and that's okay and um the um actually i'm not a bad person yeah. you know what i mean um and i've learned to have peace with with that side and your voice is always there to tell you you can't do something you're not going to succeed etc cetera, etc cetera. what you need to what you need to decide is should i make this jump should mm. i make this move do i have faith in it and look at it from a more kind of mathematical perspective as it were and if you still believe in it you should do it even though it scares you that's interesting that you've made that you've been able to almost talk to yourself differently because <laughs> i think um not just women but you know everyone can sometimes i know that i'm my harshest critic um and i think i'm i'm doing, I'm doing 
Yeah. Oh, you just got to let that go. Yeah. You've got to let it go. And you've got to, you know, it's like, you know, when you go out and you get really drunk. And oh, I never, I know, I've never done that, Joe. Never. Right. <laughs> right like we've done all done that a few times and I, I was reading about this and it said no you should just not be doing that because do you know what like two or three days later yeah you're gonna get over it right so there's no point you spending those two days cringing about all of the you know that party or that this or that you just gotta own it and you gotta realize everybody else was drunk as well and everything else and unless you've done something disastrous right like you know ended up getting arrested or something like that like assuming you were within you know legal limits then what the hell you know like and i think it just goes the same for this we're all going to make mistakes right unfortunately women mistakes are picked up on much more right we we know that and you know you only need to look at people like taylor swift Mm. and what they're fighting right, to see demonstration. Any man that wants to see it, go and look at Taylor Swift and what she's been doing, right? Like, yeah, and I'm certainly not going to let myself no. hold myself. Back. No, I love that. That's really that idea. Because that, I did, a, I, I interviewed um, Antola um, Abazi from Emma Bridgewater the other day and we were talking about kind of empowerment and how a lot of it, it, it comes from within, you know, like you recognising that you have, well, only only worrying what you about what you can control. Things outside of your control are outside of your control. But what you can control, what you can do is is you know you have a lot of power within yourself in which you can really change stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, before we kind of finish, I I, I just want to cover off like the boys' club a little bit and like what's a tangible action mm. that people can take. Can I oh, can I do that? And I think like the boys' club. Yeah, the boys' club applies mm. to the girls' club as well. And, you know, I, I go to some events. And I, when I was really young, I remember um, with my boyfriend, who and I've been married 25 years. So back going back a while, um, we, were, we, were, we were walking up in Hull. And uh, we went into this car shop, right? And we looked at this car. We basically got kicked out. The guy was like, you know, you couldn't afford a car here and you can't look round and stuff. And it was, you know, I don't know, at the time you were like, you know, kind of sod you. And I always swore from that day that one day I would walk in and buy a car, you know, cash, right? And when I did, I would wear the scruffiest clothes I could find, right? Um, And I've done that, right? I've done that. And I've got that out of my system, right? But I think, like, what I would say is that what I've found, and sometimes I'll go to events and, you know, I'll purposely dress differently, right? Um, and you won't, you wouldn't know I was the CEO unless you knew who I was kind of thing, right? And stuff like that. And I found a varying reaction off of people. Now, I believe that we should all present ourselves well, right? I'm not going to go there and just turn up in, you know, torn T-shirt and jeans and stuff like that. But I would encourage people to understand that we need to look at each other for the person that we are and learn to ignore what our first perceptions of people are because we can all jump to conclusions. And I think that, you know, I've got some friends that are extremely, like, good-looking women, right? And they say to me that, you know, like, they they have their issues with, you know, going into a bar or, or being taken seriously from an intelligence perspective. And actually their issues are in some ways like far, you know, harsher some of the issues I create. I don't really have a major issue with people taking me seriously as an engineer, 
right? I think like other people do, right? And I would say like any a tangible action for anybody is when you go to an event, can you please try and proactively ignore all of the biases that you may have towards that person, whether it be based on age or gender or what they're wearing, how they're looking, how their hair's done, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because what you may find is you may find somebody in there that you make a connection with that is beneficial to you, whether that's personally or professionally. And you should be willing to open your eyes up to those different types of people because to just hang around with one type of people, I don't think is good for I anybody. agree 100%. I think that's a really good piece of advice for business leaders to listen to and to not put those expectations on their team. So when you're sending your team off to events and you know giving them that, that um, instruction to go and just meet and not judge and not jump to conclusions, but to not also put that ex- expectation, particularly on female employees, to dress a certain way behave in a certain way accept that kind of stuff absolutely yeah absolutely we need to what we need to do and if you want to normalize this we all need to work on it women need to work on it men need to work on it all of us need to work on this right um and we need to we need to embrace and celebrate individuality in all its forms and i do think that involves those of us that are you know like like myself that's why i've taken a bit more of a position on it because I realise that I I do tick some of these boxes and I have you know I want to try I want to try and remove or or reduce some of the hurdles for other women that come after me I'm not trying to solve all the problems here I'm just trying to be one of many people that throws I call it you know if we all throw, throw a pebble in the stream then maybe we can change the course of the river and I think I think that's really important. It's understanding you're not going to fix it on your own. Like what you're doing doesn't fix it on your own. But like, well done to you for making that step for doing this and understanding that we're all part of building up that picture that can change that course. And I think what we really need is men to come and help us do that and men to understand that we're not sitting here asking for a leg up. I'm not sitting here asking you to put me 30 metres in front of the race. But do you know what? There's a lot of hurdles in my way and there's a lot of hurdles in um, many other people's way. Come and help remove some of those hurdles for us. And sometimes that means you provide an yeah. alternate route round. Um, and I think that, you know, that that's what we need because, like, we are – I find it a constant struggle um, to to be a 10x you know, like I feel like I'm having to work at a 10x just to get recognised as a CEO. Yeah, and that's a shame. But I, so you know, it's hard, right? Like for all of us. And I don't no, but we can do hard enough. things. Um, it, yeah, exactly. And I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll carry on, and I'll carry on doing it. But at the position that I'm in now, where I've been running this business, what, um, thirteen, thirteen plus years. I, I'm now standing here going, do you know what? The next generation deserves a little bit better. And I hope that the next, you know, Joe Baker right, um, is um, finds it a little bit easier than, than me. And, and I hope that I somehow help to reduce some of that for them. I, I think, that's, I think that's almost a definite, to be honest, Joe. And I think um, as we finish off, I think what you were saying about how we can help remove hurdles 
um, not just for ourselves, but for each other. And I think um, it goes back to what you were saying. Um, it's all about accepting that things kind of need to change and not to be afraid to change. And I think mm. if it all come yeah. you know, within this industry, I mean, the e-commerce industry to me is a powerful one and one that has great responsibility. Um, and yeah. if we were all are more accepting that we can all change and we can all do hard things, then we can definitely make things better for the people coming up behind us. Absolutely. And e-commerce is... I think you joined it yeah. just a couple of years ago, right? So you haven't seen it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's one of the most special communities that I've ever worked in. And one of the reasons why, as a person for change, that like, I'm still in it. We have one of the most vibrant, diverse communities out there with people from all over the world, of all different walks of life. And when we all come together, it's it's absolutely fantastic. And you don't often see that in a profession where you get so many diverse people. So if you want to be in a diverse profession, I think e-com is one of them. And I really love it, you know, Sarah, that you've, you know, come up and started taking on your own role. And I think that's great to see that refreshing and that ownership and that leadership. So I've got nothing but respect for you. And, and uh, I, I wish you, you know, good things to come, right? Because I, I wouldn't have done it when I was, you know, your age or your position. Like, I wasn't ready to. So you're doing all right. Thanks, over there, you know? <laughs> Wine helps. <laughs> definitely wine, wine and beer helps, helps a lot anyway yeah, thank yeah. you so much Sharon. i know you're a busy woman so i'm not gonna keep you much longer, but uh, i've really appreciated yeah. you talking to me today um and i can't wait for people to hear this episode i think they'll really enjoy it well there you go thank you joe i absolutely love that conversation and with leaders like that in our industry, I'd say we're in good shape and have an amazing future ahead of us. As always, thank you to the 518 for their support in helping me put this podcast together. And last, but by no means least, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the love by liking or rating this podcast. And to make sure you never miss out on an episode, because why would you want to? Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.